A while back, kids from an outskirts village found a chasm right on the fringes of heart. A ravine that went down hundreds of feet beneath the city. As far as they knew, nobody had ever stumbled upon this chasm before. Hell, they might have just uncovered a way out of this godforsaken place. Those kids, they were mighty sure they would find some answers down there. They had been so frustrated by the isolation, the unanswered questions, the people telling them time and time again that whatever struggles they were going through, those were unique to them. The cavern sure looked like hope in the face of all that. We'll never know what was down there, though. The group didn't even make it down to the cave floor before someone cut their rope. Early nightfall, hidden by shadows, someone killed 13 innocent people on an expedition. An act of darkness like that makes you wonder what was really buried in that earth, and why someone didn't want those kids to find it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heart the State Within. This is episode seven. My name is Blake Croft. I will be your game master and your keeper for the evening. And it is my absolute pleasure to introduce my players, Katie. Hi, I'm Katie. Lily. Hi, I'm Lily. Jacob. Hey. And Alex. Salutations. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Welcome back. I am not going to do a long spiel for this intro because I've done them for the past few and I want to just get into the session today, but I uh, check out our links in the description below and all that good stuff. And thank you so much for listening. If you've listened this far, last we left off the characters that we were following have followed Teal, a new contact into the rat's nest below the city uh, at the edge of the Elysian district. It is a a small undercity of sorts under this large set of warehouses. Under here, there are all sorts of small establishments and places to live for people that are off the grid. You all have come down here to go into hiding. You have just followed Teal into her one-bedroom apartment. You see all around Teal's apartment are pages that are scattered around in a state of of it's completely disheveled here she is clearly not a an organized or clean person and seems like she wasn't expecting visitors she's like let's get to work let's talk about what we're doing here well we all just experienced some absolutely crazy stuff but um I'm sorry, we didn't really get to know each other very well back there. Who are you? 
if you don't mind. Well, my name is Teal, like I said. I, do you want me to go into the whole, whole life story? I mean, how did you get into that place? How did you know how to get out? Why does it matter? Look, okay, you all clearly stumbled into that place. I, well, it's, it's, it's quite a long story. Everyone, is everyone comfortable? Sure. I've been on this trail for a little while now. It was more than just me before. Three years ago, my, my best friend at the time, uh, Prince was his name. He and I came upon a set of writings that we thought were fiction at, at first. They were the, the manuscripts of a person who claimed to have come from outside the mists. We found these when we were exploring where we shouldn't have. We were, I mean, we still are just kids, really. And like I said, we thought these pages were just uh, made up, stories to, to scare kids. But Prince became obsessed with these pages. He said there was something about them that, that felt real, that shook him to his core. They talked of a, a whole world beyond the city of heart. Forests that could uh, cover the area of the city ten times over. Rivers that, that split into these vast bodies of water with unimaginable depth. And the pages talked about creatures that roamed that world, that world outside. It was not a human world, according to these manuscripts. It was a, a world of monsters Monsters that could take on many different forms. We called the author Hero because they, they gave no name. And, and Hero became very important to Prince and so therefore very important to me. And so we looked into it. Prince tried to find anything he could about this person, this author, looking for any record of Hero's existence. He he took the manuscript to a friend of his who said he was well-versed in uh, dating these objects. And the pages were from somewhere between 150 and 200 years ago. We looked for anything in that time period that, that talked about this person from outside the mists. And we found something. Uh, there was one other source. This one dated back about 185 years. And it talked about a small boat that came through the mists into the city via the river. And inside the small boat was a man who claimed to have lost his memory. And the city rallied around him, begging him to, to divulge his secrets of, of what was past the mists, but he was silent. And within the year, that man had disappeared. And Prince and I knew in our hearts that that was Hero. That was the same author. Something about it felt right. He had come from outside the mists. The date was right. And someone had him killed for his knowledge. Or at least that's what we gathered. Prince and I uh, gathered a few more people. And we looked for more evidence of Hero or, or the things he talked about. We gathered three other friends. We called ourselves the followers of Hero. And then, sure enough, 
we stumbled across Progress Day, this event that happened 50 years ago. How did nobody in the city know about this? We found records of advertisements for the events, people who had clearly attended and promptly vanished, this huge cover-up that nobody seemed to know about, thousands of people dead or at least gone. And then we, we got in too deep. Somebody heard about what we were doing. I had gone on to check on a lead, and someone got in and killed the other four. I don't even know who it was. It, it could have been the Walkers. could have been a direct order of the Chancellor, or it could have been some random fucking burglar. I don't know. All I know is they're dead, and I have to finish what my friends started. Damn. You're... You're on your own now. Well, that's what I approached you all for. Maybe I don't have to be. It seems like you all have uncovered some things. You're in a little too deep yourselves. It's sort of hard to just go back to the way things were now. Forget about it. We, my friends and I, Prince and I, were on a, I mean, you can call it a, a mission. We were working towards uncovering the real history of heart. Clearly, they're hiding something. What is this place? Where did it come from? What's outside of it? Clearly, they, and I don't know who they is, could be those that know. It might be higher than that. Someone's hiding something. There's a reason that these events and Progress Day might not be the only one. They've gone unnoticed and unrecognized by the people of the modern day. These, these things don't make it into our history books. They don't make it into our records. There's got to be a reason for that. I thought it was strange, too. I think someone in the memory said that Progress Day was only 50 years ago? Yeah, from what we could tell. I mean, there should be people alive who remember that, or who lost somebody, or something. That's what's so strange. There's no... We found, like I said, advertisements, papers that talked about it from before, and then silence after. It's like... Everyone who knew something about it either was dealt with or forced to forget, but it stopped being talked about. Do you still have that journal, Hero's Journal? Yes, yeah. We've made a couple copies of it, case. Uh, yeah, she, she pulls out one of, the, one of the copies of the manuscript, and it's, it's not that thick. It feels like it's probably missing a lot of pages um but there's a couple little things that are like binded together does it feel like maybe it's time to read this bitch i think i'm like i think ted's a little nervous to even open that okay look we don't know if this is real or true like we said it might be fiction 
but it's the best we have right now. And it led us towards something that seems to match what's written here, at least in some manner. How could someone come from outside the mists? I think there's a lot they're not telling us. Well, even if what you described was true, and outside is just a world of beasts and and monsters and forests, and how could someone, a person that looks just like us, waltz in one day? That's what we're trying to find out. You can read the manuscript. There's honestly not that much in there that clues us into these answers. It's written as though we're supposed to know already what exists out there. It's not written in a way that is divulging knowledge to those who have no preconceived notion of what's outside the mists. It's written like we're supposed to be in the loop. Go ahead. No, I think uh, Ted's been quiet, and he's like trying to... He's a very rational person. He's trying to make this make sense in his head, and it it does kind of sound like a fairy tale a little bit. Sure. But uh, I think then he'll speak up and be like, the mists have to be a two-way street. Right. If it's dangerous for us, it's got to be dangerous for people on the other side. If one person came over, then odds are there's whole civilizations over there full of them. And this was just one that made through. I mean, we've had people from our side go missing in the mist. We don't know what fucking happened to them. I assume they died. But maybe wherever this hero guy is from, a bunch of people have tried to come over and they just die on the way. But this guy was lucky. Well, that's... That's one of our theories, is he came, he came back. There have, there have been plenty of documentation of people that have just gone through the mists. And some of them, we have heard the screams and heard them die. And some of them, we have no idea what happened to them. And so maybe you're right. And maybe people have started life out there. But the way he describes it in the manuscripts, you can read it. It doesn't sound very habitable okay Blake maybe I'm confused is it that a guy from our side he went through and then came back and was like we don't know that's their theory the only thing we know is that he came he came from outside the mist into the city Teal's theory is maybe I understand so I was jumping a bit to conclusions my bad Lily this is sort of associated with your or dot is associated with your repressed memory so go ahead and give me that uh, keep it together. Yeah, roll, roll, keep it together, and then I'll give you a, a flashback here. Five. Five. So, is it, so total fail. Yeah, this is okay. gonna be fucked. So up. what is that? Okay, so so what we know so far of these repressed memories is is you remember Charlie Vale coming into your town, um, or your small like village outside, and asking for recruits for this expedition he's going on. You see now, as Teal is talking about people walking outside the mists and and not returning, not knowing where they're going, you get a vision in your head of your best friend, Caspian, and you. The two of you had signed up for this expedition, and you remember riding in the carriage over, and you remember Charlie talking about the expedition being, quote, the first, well, hopefully the first successful mission outside the mists. So you you remember riding in this carriage and you distinctly remember Charlie talking about how you all would be among the first people 
to leave the mists. And you remember showing up to what looked to be a mining operation. They had made a, you know, in the past, people who have left the mist have just walked through or tried to do stuff like that. This expedition was trying to dig under the mists. And so they had created this large tunnel. And you remember setting up, it wasn't that many, maybe there were 15 volunteers, let's say. And you and your best friend Caspian were two of them to voluntarily go outside the mists. So you have that flashback. I don't think I say anything. I think I just like widen my eyes and I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> and just and just to say where your memory picks up is you remember leaving that place without Caspian. So that day is hazy in your mind. Um, anyone else thinking thinking anything, saying anything? You guys will just kind of add something to the conversation. This must be above the heads of those who know. I mean, that was one of the salts in that dreamscape. What do they say his name was? Uh, Gregory. Gregory? No, I know. I, I know. Oh, I see. But, okay. Uh, I, He's acting. I'm like... pretending like I don't know. Oh, I see. My bad. I didn't realize you were an actor. Dude, I fooled him. Uh, okay. <laughs> see you guys. I'm going to go audition. Um, what they say, Gregory Salt, he would be one who knows, right? So they must... They must not know whatever they're doing. It's possible, but the church and, by extension, the walkers seem to be willingly keeping something. So somebody knows. Is there any way your family just sort of kept Gregory out of the loop? Used him as a sacrifice on purpose? What are you talking about? Like, like... Like, back then, in the memory, is there any chance that Gregory's salt family members of the past knew about... My words are not making sense here. No, I'm, I'm giving you the evil eye right now. Oh! You guys are just real loose-lipped with my identity. It's really <laughs> nice. Oh, shit! <laughs> oh, that's why he was pretending to not remember. I only name. told our other party members, so... That's fair. And that's why I, I didn't want to say did it I, at all. What did I, I say? Did I say it? Teal goes, I didn't want to say anything, but you do bear an awful resemblance to Gregory. Great. Okay. Well, I guess if I'm going to be living with you for the foreseeable future, you deserve to know the truth. Speaking of, I need a disguise or something, because if you can tell, then I feel like a lot of people down here may be able to tell as well. We can certainly get that worked out. Do you have a bandana or something? It doesn't need to be anything crazy. She goes, we'll, we'll find you a mask or... Get that Marvel maybe disguise. Get you a haircut. <laughs> yeah, I just did a baseball cap. A and baseball cap and sunglasses. <laughs> Annie, you're you're reading this manuscript? Yeah, after I... Or uh, you're starting to read it? After I dox Atticus. Yeah, right. <laughs> after you dox Atticus. <laughs> you read at least a portion of it. And you see that Teal was right in saying it's not written. Have you ever read like a sci-fi book where they don't explain any of the sci-fi terms? Oh, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great, I'm, I'm reading uh, Hyperion right now, and he just loves to just throw you in it and not explain anything. That's what this manuscript reads like. He talks about these 
creatures, which is honestly, he never even refers to them as that. He he refers to them. He actually just says them, I think, in the manuscript. But you, you get the sense that he's talking about one specific type of thing that resembles a creature, but he talks about it in a couple different contexts that almost don't make sense. He talks about them taking different forms or just existing as different forms. He talks about a couple of them that are animalistic in nature, but a couple of them that are like not any sort of coherent, explainable thing. He talks about hearing the creatures blow into temporary settlements uh, as the wind, or they are the sun beating down on the land, and things of that nature, in a way that makes them seem like it could be one of two things. Either these are creatures that are taking like abstract forms, or you get the a similar sense to like deification of these mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. like oh, this is, this is the sun. This is the God who is the sun. This is the thing that I worship or I fear that is the river. And he talks about them all in the same way. That's what you read. Okay. And, and also he talks a little bit about the landscape and he talks about, I mean, we'll talk in like regular turns because you guys might not recognize this. He talks about basically what is mountains or canyons or oceans, which are things that are unfamiliar to you. Um, just to clarify, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer based on, you sounded like you're trying to clarify yourself, but the wording when he's talking about temporary settlements, was it like when I was at my temporary settlement or a, I I think, I think it's like, he's like when I'm, when I'm sleeping in a tent under the stars Mm -hmm. or like when I'm, when I'm sleeping under this log. Right. Okay. okay. So he doesn't, he specifically, I will say that he, he talks about that there are no people. He says that he does. Okay. Now, this was, once again, dated quite a bit between 150 and 200 years ago. But he talks about how there are no humans here. Okay. Heart. Okay. Does he mention heart by name at any point? Interesting. Um, I think he doesn't call it that most of the time, but I think he mentions someone saying that to him. Ooh. Like something along the lines of, I was told this place was heart, or like yeah, Jimbo serious, says. Serious. <laughs> I see. Are you saying, if, are there any names in the book? Is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. He talks a little bit about his time since he's been in Hart. Seems pretty recent. Again, these are from, they almost read like journal entries. They're from different dates. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mention anyone by name. It seems like he's fairly isolated from his time in Hart. Huh. So he sound, oh, like he describes it as being like a foreign place? Yes, Correct. Interesting. And I think, I think let's say the last entry is him talking about the fact that he is intrigued to learn more about this place, like, and to, to know things about it, to know what stories people have of heart or like know what this place is. Hmm. So maybe he was a citizen of heart like us who left and then was chilling outside and came back and had his memories wiped or maybe it goes both ways and you just don't remember anything in or out wait that wouldn't make any sense never mind yeah when when would the memory what because he still has memories of outside right he does so, so maybe on the way out i will say the the 
the story Teal told about someone who came in the mist and lost their memory mm-hmm. does not exactly match these manuscripts. That is normal. Oh, yes. That's why she... Okay. She was like, our theory is that... Yeah. He doesn't guy, talk right? about losing his memory. She has dated... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has found documents of someone who was said to have lost their memory, who came in via boat, who she is attributing to be the same person. Interesting. I was just spitballing. Okay. I was just spitballing. I think Teal comes up to you, Annie, as you're reading it, and she goes, the creatures he talks about in this, we have reason to believe that even though it seems like he talks about them as though they're solely outside the mists, we have reason to believe that in the time since this has been written, some of them may have gotten in. I, uh, I exchange a look with Dot, as I believe we have seen one of those. Damn it. I and I don't I think was... I hide it either. I think it's like a, oh shit, like a realization yeah. face. I don't know if Teal would react to that or if Yeah, I, th- I think Teal goes... But it's an obvious like, yo. Teal goes, have, have, you, have you had an encounter with one of these? You could say that. <laughs> the night Dot and I met. What? On, on a train? Atticus and I were much more beaten up than we were after that train crash when we arrived at the police station. Your collarbone. Uh, that sounded weird, but I I noticed that injury on your shoulder. It looked like something had... Yes, that was not... That was not a train-related injury. No, we we met... We were walking through the woods. I guess we're just... no, No point in keeping anything now. I've tried to keep it away but it's all just coming together now so we were walking through the woods and pretty soon met with a barrel of a gun some crazed old man living his days out in some cabin in the woods but he was hunting something he was fighting something sounded like a wolf but not really it howled and it it was too monstrous to be a wolf anyway he took us back to his cabin to stay safe for the night and we heard it, this horrible sound right outside the cabin. This man woke us up, gave us some firearms to defend ourselves, and then he himself transformed, not really physically, but mentally, and attacked us. He had this strange mask, some strange claw, did a number on Dot and I, unloaded our gun so we couldn't really defend ourselves, but we... Figured it out, I shot him in the face. Can't believe I'm saying that in front of a police officer. <laughs> anyway, he wasn't the only thing that was weird that night. We were hunting something else with him. He was scared of something in those woods, but ended up being the thing that messed with us the most. But apparently there was another creature there that attacked his home. Yes, Atticus thought you never saw it. You're unconscious. Atticus, As Dot, always. this is important. Was this thing inf- influencing that man in some way, or was that man worshipping this thing or providing sacrifices? I guess that could be a running theory. I'd- I would be willing to bet that he worshipped it, because when he armed us, he armed us with not our own weapons, but unloaded, unloaded. guns. And shit, you know, now that I think about it, I tried to draw its attention when this crazed old man was about to kill both of us. I was on my last leg, so I thought nothing else might as well take him out with me. 
and I did my best impression of the howl that I'd heard. It responded, climbed onto the roof of the cabin. I played dead, but it saw him and did nothing. It went away. We have seen a few accounts of these things. And in many accounts, they present themselves as angels when in reality they are demons. I don't know what kind of relationship this man had with it. The way he described it was demonic, not really a positive relationship. Uh, Maybe he made a deal with that thing to leave him alone as long as he sacrificed people. Well, either way, that is one lead we have then. Somewhere in the forest, maybe one of these creatures exists. Another is maybe obviously in that memory. It seems like that creature, one or many birds, shifting form, fits the bill for what we've heard description-wise for these creatures. Talk of sacrifices is reminding me. We looked into some of the murders that have been occurring around the Elysian District. I noticed a pattern. A a few of the people, right before they went missing or died, attempted to push other people into the mists. I wonder if that could be some form of sacrifice. One of, well, one of the people that's going to be after us now tried to sacrifice his own son. Was there any sort of creature influencing these people? I have reason to believe there was some hallucinatory figure identifying itself as God. Well, that certainly fits the bill. So what, are these gods, are these deities, creatures, monsters, whatever you want to call them, are they bleeding in through the mists and trying to wrestle control? That's where I think you all come in. That's the work we haven't accomplished yet. Figuring out the why of it all, or how. We know the what. We don't know how it's happening. And we don't know who's behind it. We don't know if they're bleeding in. We don't know if someone's letting them in. If they've been here the whole time. There are so many questions we have. The way Hero describes these things in his journal, some of these things just are the sun or the sky or a river. How would we even know if we had seen something like that before? We will know from the deaths. These things may very well be gods or angels, but we know for a fact that they are killing. For one reason or another, wherever we have notice of them, they are killing. Perhaps they are feeding, or perhaps there's another reason behind it. But they leave a trail of bodies in their wake. Progress Day is an example. Thousands of people were killed by this thing. Well... Where do we start? Intro music. Montage of studying various manuscripts. We've got um, the what? Books. <laughs> books. Mostly me and Annie. Books. <laughs> Ted having an actual like heart attack after this. <laughs> oh yeah, I think the, I, I think the question. Supervising. <laughs> 
Uh, I think I I think the question is like where do you, I I think Teal I think Teal talks about um, the things she's been seeing around the city, and she talks about that she has a couple contacts um, that are looking for anything that might be flagged as something like these creatures as as abstract or or vague of a of a concept that you know like as much as you know about the creatures something that could be flagged as that something where someone's been influenced in some way or someone's been sacrificing things any cult like behavior is flagged like that um or any just large pool of death she she has a couple contacts around uh, the Elysian district i don't think she has that much pull like i don't think they're all around heart but they're at least in this district just gathering things about the city and i think she goes one thing we could look we could look into the forest this beast or, or creature that you saw from what it sounds like though i don't know how equipped we are to handle that if we do find that but that is an option we can find more information out about it maybe figure out where it came from i'm just worried that seems particularly physically dangerous rather than just mentally. I'll tell you what, I will look into anything I can find about people that have died in the forest or people that have been any sort of cult behavior, anything like that, because I don't want to go in blind. So I will talk to my contacts and work on that and see if that is something uh, we can pursue. Uh, in the meantime, please get yourself situated. Anything you may need, the rat's nest probably has it. Teal, um, how long have you been down here and safe? How long have you lived here? My friends died six months ago. Oh, lovely. That's really I recent. Have been, I have been in hiding since. Thank you. That's good to know. Okay. Are you all, um... Are you all looking for anything specific that Sorry, Blake, Atticus? Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, can I talk to everybody? Sure. Yeah, feeling? yeah, yeah, yeah. Teal, Teal goes into her room. So there's something I, I haven't quite mentioned, but but with the, you know, theory of someone coming out of the mist and forgetting things, there is one day that I I can't remember. You know, when I was asking about Charlie Vale in the church, that was that was something I caught a glimpse of. But th- there was this whole day I can't remember, and these people that I remember that I don't know where they are. And I feel like it maybe could be connected to that, because on that day, from what I can tell, I was uh, in close proximity to the mist. Okay. Uh- I just thought... You guys should know, since we're, you know, in the deep now. So, you remember a group of people interacting with the mists, or? Some sort of mission to go in. Under, I guess, to go go under. But I don't know why I'm here, and they aren't. And that is the thing that is scaring me the most. Okay. That's important. Information, Dot, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I just... If the mists wipe memory, this might be another instance of that happening. You don't Hmm. think... I mean, you don't think you went through 
Do you? I honestly have no idea. I, I grew up fascinated with them, so I mean, it's quite possible that I did. And then turned back because of something. I really, I really don't know. I don't, I don't remember that part yet. And and what has Charlie Vale got to do with it? He, he was, was the leader of the mission. He uh, he recruited people from uh, from my village, and uh, was leading us in. So I don't I don't know why he's here either. That sort of sounds like these sacrifices we were talking about, like Claremont driving his son to the edge of heart. Possibly. He seemed pretty convinced it was going to be successful, though. So I don't know. You can be convinced of a lot of things when something's whispering in your ear that it knows everything. Right. But yeah, I, I just, I didn't want to keep back anything that was useful. Does anyone, anyone doing anything in the next, let's say the next 24 hours? Um, Atticus, you, you mentioned you, you want to look for some sort of uh, disguise or something maybe to cover your face. I think pretty easily you could find one of those, um, not like a garter, but like, uh, or I mean, you could, honestly, or you could just, go just like a bandana would work. Something like that. Bandana to put like, Oh, to cover the bottom half. Of your face. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You can find that pretty easily. Okay. It's may- maybe not the most difficult to tell that you're in hiding, but plenty of people are in hiding down here and it's a lot better than being identified as assault. I'd also maybe like to find something resembling a canine mask. I, I don't know if there's any artists down here that could be commissioned with carvers. Yeah, I think, like you know, I think there is a, yeah, let's say there, there is a place with carvings and, and art of that sort. And you go in there and ask for a commission. And I think you commission that, that, that wolf mask. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Anyone else looking for anything particularly? Um, I think from the moment that the discussion turned to like, there are creatures that are coming through the mists and some of them are yeah. already here. Mm-hmm. I think Ted just instinctually like grabbed Grace's hand and was just kind of like, she helps him a lot with, you know, panicking. It's part of the, part of the relationship they have. Uh, I think after the whole conversation, he feels really bad that he has kind of been forced to uproot Grace's entire life. Like we finally were both at a place where we both had pretty stable jobs. We were making a good amount of money. We care about our home a lot. And especially in a time where we're trying to bring like a child into the world. Yeah. That stability is really important to us. So what I think I, Ted would do is he would uh, try to find a lounge somewhere in the rat's nest, like uh, kind of like a dive bar where singing happens, where, you know, yeah. he, and he poses it to, we don't have to role play it because I don't want to like disrupt anything, but uh, he poses it as like, hey, Grace, let's find, if you want to, because obviously you don't have to, but if you want to work, um, a place where you could. But I think once he takes her there, that facade of like, let's find you a job goes away and he to make up for like this crazy shenanigans. Um, I think he takes her on a little date and tries to reenact like the circumstances in which they first met where they were like at a lounge and he had seen her and that was kind of like the beginning of their relationship. And I think he just wants to treat her for the night. Yeah, you do that. And I think she sees through it, but is appreciative. 
And at one point in the date, she goes, Ted, do you remember? I think it was our second or third date. I told you I believed in ghosts and I felt like I saw them as a kid. Yeah, yeah, that I remember. I know you've never sort of believed in that thing, and so I sort of stopped talking about it, but I think, I don't know, something about it is almost comforting that we're not alone. It's a weird feeling. It's not exactly, I don't know, I don't have the right words for it. It's all scary and unknown, but at the same time, there's other things out there. And who knows, there might be things influencing the the evils in the world. And it might not just be people. And something about that gives me hope, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I want to understand it. You know, I don't, I, I may not believe in ghosts, but there may be something that we don't quite get. And it'll make a lot more sense when we do. And, um... I don't know. Maybe there's a there's a middle ground there, but I I'm thank a... you for the dinner. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know you'll probably be busy in the coming days or weeks or however long we'll be down here, but I appreciate it. That was genuine, right, Blake? Yeah. Okay. I think she doesn't love like just like I I don't think she loves being like super sappy. That's, but... yeah, that's also fair. Yeah, I think the last thing I'd probably talk about on the date is like, like we're enjoying ourselves and stuff. And then I would mention a thought I had in the conversation earlier, which is, you know, I am a, a little worried that, um, I mean, you, you know where I grew up. I was so close to the mist that I could hear noises in there. I've been trying to get my, my family to move for a while, but if shit's coming through... Where they're at might be the worst place in the world to be. You can't worry about that right now, Ted. I mean, I know you're the Ted Garner, and you're, well, you're on your way to becoming a detective, but these things seem, they just feel unstoppable from what little I've heard about it. So don't, just promise me you won't put yourself in harm's way to prevent something that is unpreventable. Damn. I promise. And I also want you to promise me, because of the way that you have laid out this night, that you are not going to propose to me underneath this warehouse in the rat's nest. Well, I hate to spoil the facade, <laughs> but that was never the plan. Yeah. And you have, uh, yeah, a, a lovely little date. Um, okay. The night passes. You all find uncomfortable sleeping positions in Teal's apartment. Dot, you have a disadvantage that we've never rolled before. Every time you sleep, we're supposed to roll nightmares, so go ahead and roll that disadvantage now. Nine. Not a ten, but not bad. Okay, then I think we're going to go with, so a nine, so that's a mixed success. It says you are, one of the options is you are completely unable to sleep. So you have a minus one ongoing until you sleep. And so I think that's what happens with processing all this information. The rat's nest is a loud place at night. And I think you're hearing a lot of noises. You're hearing them almost like howls or the mechanical whirs of some of the places down here 
seem a little too alive. And I think that freaks you out throughout the whole night and you really get no sleep. So you have a minus one, two rolls until you sleep. I think I just go and sit in whatever the common area is and like write things down for different like inventions, strills there, just like I'm awake out there whenever anyone else wakes up. Great. Um, And everyone else uh, wakes up and the part of the day passes. Teal brings you out to the main part of the rat's nest, which is just like a mess of tables in like this large open tavern area. And I think around like, let's say like uh, four o'clock or five o'clock, Teal goes into her room where she has like a telephone and she picks up the phone and then she comes back out where you all are sitting in the, in the one bedroom apartment. And she goes, I think we have a new lead. It matches the description. We're going to have to go now before the police show up and investigate it. Someone's dead. Someone's dead uh, in the Elysian district. And from what my contact told me, the only person, uh, the person who reported it was his maid and said there was no signs of break-in. And so whatever happened must have happened inside the house. She said he was the only one home. So let's go now. And I had a, had a breakthrough on this, this beast thing that you were talking about, Atticus and dot. I am going to go meet with a contact. I will, we will rendezvous here, but, um, just don't let your faces be shown and keep low. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. You all are following Teal. Mm hmm. Okay. You walk through the city and you arrive at an estate, maybe like a, it's not a mansion. It's a, it's a, a manor, maybe. I don't know if that means the same thing, actually. Um, I was about to look it up. But I don't care. <laughs> uh, this, is a, <laughs> this is a big house and it is fairly close to, I will say, just to keep your guard up, pretty close to the church. So you all walk up to this estate and... Uh, you knock on the door and a woman answers. She is like a, yeah, like a, I mean, she's a, she's a maid, like a live in maid. And she goes, are you here for Mr. Uh, Mr. Colburn? Um, he, they said someone was coming. Um, are you all with the police? Yes. Okay. Dad, um, say something. Damn it. I didn't know if we should tell him that. Yeah, we are. Okay. Um, well, come in quick quick and she opens the door further peers out and then closes it i found mr colburn dead i don't know how long ago he died but i found him dead on on the floor in the parlor just just um about two hours ago and and well i don't know what to do about that we're gonna handle this from here um that must have been very tragic for you. I'm so sorry. Um, will you please show me to the parlor and answer a few questions about Mr. Coldburn? Yes. She directs you to the parlor. You see, this is a fresh crime scene. He, this is a, an, an older gentleman, probably like, you know, in the 60 to 70 range, who is laying face down in a pile of his own blood <gasps> uh, in, a, in a parlor where... I mean, you know, we're going to do some investigation, but as far as you can tell, no signs of, like, immediate struggle. Um. Okay. I'm going to turn to the maid. Um, 
I'm so sorry. I didn't catch your name. Lorette, she says. Lorette what? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Middle name, Lorette. (laughs) Lorette, can you tell me about what your job is here at the manor? Um, I'm the live-in maid. It is my job to, to look after, clean up for, cook for Mr. Colburn. He is a, is a very solitary man. He's the only one. It's just him and I here. And even I really don't see him that much. And, well, this quite obviously shocked me. But also, you know, imagine my surprise. This doesn't appear to be someone um, having a heart attack. Even at his age, people don't die in their own blood. But I, I couldn't find... All of the doors were locked. The windows were closed. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried here. <laughs> um, I'll take a look. And I'll kind of lead her out of the room. And I am going to investigate... Well, I think you have wait. a. Oh wait, I do. Specific advantage that lets you like really look into. Yes, you're right. I forgot about that. Uh, it's scientist, and it gives me a boost to investigate. Scientist, okay. And it would be really great if I didn't drop my die. Do you think it'd be um, worth it for me to also roll investigate? I'm usually plus two, so I'd be plus one now. I think I think dot. Let's um maybe you go somewhere else and and look. Like I think if Annie's looking at the Sounds body. Sounds good. There's I'm more gonna talk than to just. the maid. I'm gonna talk to Lorette. Okay. At yeah. some point. Let's right, Annie. An, yeah, Annie, go ahead and roll your thing, your scientist advantage, and we'll talk about the body and then. Let's go. Okay. Blake, I got a twelve. I don't know where I'm going, but oh, I, I didn't know even know you were everything. rolling. Okay. Well, I got a twelve you tell me, as well. Okay. So you both got twelve. We know everything. Okay, so we'll talk about what you're investigating in a second, because I think it's it, probably something else, just so we can have a diversity of knowledge here. Annie, tell, read me your scientist advantage. What does it What does it give you with a full success? Twelve. I still get to roll two questions, but I get to like add some additional. I see. Questions. Oh, I see. When yeah. you investigate, you may choose the following questions. I see. So, investigate. So you can ask, uh, "How can I find out more about what I'm investigating? What's my gut feeling? Is there anything weird about what I'm investigating? What properties does this have? How do I make use of this? Or what is its purpose?" I'm. Definitely going to go with what's weird. And honestly, what's my, what's my gut feeling? Let's say your gut feeling is, we'll just give that the, this is blunt force trauma. Um, your gut feeling is that something hit this man in the back of the head. You see there is a large wound on like the upper left portion of the back of his head. And that is where most of the blood is coming from. Uh, and you get the gut feeling that he like died either shortly thereafter or immediately. And what's weird about this is that you can tell there's two things. One is there's no object in this room that appears to have been able to do that damage. This room is pretty pretty scarce. Anything that's in here is like, you know, fine china and things like that. There's not any like pipes or anything of that sort or like big big rocks. Stick pipe, you know? sure. Uh the other thing that's weird about this from from how dry the blood is and all of that thing, you can tell about how old this body is. And it seems to be almost exactly as old as Lorette said she had come across it. So she said like two okay. hours. That's about exactly as old as it is. So she okay. probably stumbled upon this. I mean, right assuming she stumbled upon this immediately, Unless which is weird then that she didn't see anything happen or hear hear anything. She didn't. I mean, she might mention that if in, interrogated further. 
but not knowing or not finding any evidence directly after that happened was would probably be unlikely. Sure. The pool of blood, did it flow from the, like, is it like a big goose egg on the back of his neck or did it split the skin on the head and the blood is flowing from there or is it flowing from his nose or his mouth or something like that? I think it's flowing from the place where he was hit in the back of the head. Okay. <laughs> so that's what, that's what you can tell about the body. Let's go to Atticus and Ted, who you said were, you guys are interrogating her or asking her questions. Yes, we are. I feel like I just let Ted take the lead on this. Okay. Because I'm not a police officer, but... I... Okay, yeah. Um, Lorette, did uh, did the victim have any people that would want to do him harm? He make any enemies in getting this fortune of his? To be quite frank, I didn't really know Raymond that well. He came from money and so didn't really uh, work. I quite honestly don't know much about his private life. He was very solitary. He did not invite people over very often. He was not a very well-liked man, but I think that more came from the fact that not a lot of people knew him. You said you're a live-in maid? Correct. Where were you today? Um, I was here. I was cleaning up in the kitchen. D- did you hear anything? I heard a yelp, and I came in here and he was dead. Was anything taken from the home, or is this the only sign that anything happened? To be quite frank, I have not looked around much. I am terrified, and I'm so glad you arrived here, because I was worried for my own safety. I have not gone and explored the rest of these rooms um, for fear of stumbling into something that I shouldn't have. Speaking of looking at the other rooms, I think that's what Dot is doing. Dot, you rolled investigation. You said you got a 12. Um, So uh, when you investigate, you can ask these questions with a full success. You get two questions. How can I find out more about what I'm investigating? What's my gut feeling about what I'm investigating? Or is there anything weird about what I'm investigating? And I think what you're investigating, just to voice that, is uh, not the body, the rest of the house, right? I think I'm going to go with how can I find more and is there anything weird? Let's go with is there anything weird first, which is... Uh, you go through a uh, a couple of the halls or a couple of the rooms. The main hall is is just weird. Not maybe not in a way that like is directly related to the the supposed murder. Well, let's just be clear about this. This was a murder, right? Like the blunt force to the back of the head. That this was this was something that that happened here. So maybe not directly related to the word murder, but this main hall. Like, right, it's like you went left towards the kitchen and parlor when you walked in. If you walk straight, there is a large, like, circular dome where there are these uh, statues that are, like, in positioned around these parts of the room. Like, these very intricately carved marble statues. And the rest of the room is completely spotless. And there's, like, nothing else in there. But there these, there's these six statues, and all of it strikes you as, like, eerie. When you walk in there, you get a bad feeling. Um, So that's what's weird. Something about like perfect geometry, right, is off-putting sometimes. And I think that's this feeling. How can you find out more about what you're investigating? You go into his bedroom and you see his closet is open. And kind of looking around for anything, you, you open the door the rest of the way. And it is a faux front. The closet is not really a closet. It is a staircase down 
I 100% go down. Okay. Alone, or are you telling people about this? I think I'm going to grab Atticus as, like, I would say the person I trust most in the group. Be like, I found a, a secret door in his room. I think we should go down and ex- explore it. Secret rooms in creepy houses. Why not? Sounds great. Okay. Annie, you do anything else? Yeah, if I'm done immediately with the body, I- I'll go talk to Lorette. Um, you were right not to touch anything in this room. Um, it's very helpful that that the body hasn't been touched. I know it might be hard to come in here, but um, could you just take a look around and let me know if there's anything missing from the room? Anything misplaced, even? From the parlor specifically? From the parlor specifically. Okay, yeah, she does that. She she starts to, to look around. And I think she comes to the conclusion that, uh, no, nothing is missing. Cool, 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 cool. I'll take her back out because it's traumatizing to hang out with a dead body. How long did you say you you worked for Raymond? 11 years now. 11 years. That's a long time. What? Wait. I thought she said that she like barely knew him. She did. He's reclusive. That's still nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that shows a lot of dedication. Um, Jacob, tell me if I'm crazy, but I feel like something about her is not adding up. Something about this story doesn't feel Honestly, right to me. I don't know. So Teal sent us here because she, she suspected that like, off. like a creature was at work, right? Yeah. Well, she, she just said her her contact said was I think called by Lorette, right? And she, it just it got flagged for the for the signs of a creature. It might not be. This is this is not this is not foolproof. Just the reason it was flagged is because um, it was a mysterious death that uh, it seemed like. And and I think you all have found this if you look around. There are no signs of a break in. There are no yeah. signs of a break in or anyone else that got into a house that wasn't already in the house somehow. I, oh, I have one more question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know that Mr. Raymond didn't go out much, but can you tell me, was he, was he religious at all? No, no, not at all. Let's jump down to Dot and Atticus. Before we down enter s- down there, yeah, yeah. I feel like this might be a dangerous situation potentially. Okay. Can I roll Daredevil? Yeah, you can roll Daredevil. Okay, it's like Can I roll one. Quick Thinker whenever you commence yeah. an endangered mission? Roll plus reason. Yes. Uh, Atticus, what did you say you rolled? Uh, oh, I thought that was a coolness roll. Rip. I got an eight. An eight, so I got mixed a success. 12. Again. You're cheating. Dots With a minus up. one. And by that, I mean a plus one, which you was a mean plus, plus two. Minus I still get one. two gotcha. edges. Yes. Okay. You still get two edges? Very good. I'm going to do keep my eyes open. Okay. So discover a threat before it discovers me. Yep. And uh, probably get out of the way to avoid an attack. Okay. Dot? So I have three options, and if I do a full success, which a 12 is, I get all three, which is remember something that's advantageous in a negotiation, you possess some equipment you can use to get out of a sticky situation, and you have a special field training that would be useful in getting past one of your obstacles. I'm not. I'm not sure how much any any of those uh, from both of you are going to come into play immediately, but uh, I'll I'll keep them in mind for if things if if conflict starts and escalates. You all walk down past this facade of a closet door, down into what is, by all definitions, 
a laboratory. It's small, but there is a main uh, desk where there are some journals and things of that sort. There are some strange-looking metal devices that maybe do some weird early machinery type things or like industrial level machine things. They could be coffee makers for all you know. They could be artificial intelligence, right? They're completely foreign to you. And in the middle of the room, sitting on a table, almost like a museum piece, is a glass box. And it is broken. It is shattered from one side. Hmm. Does it look like what was in it was taken out? Yeah, there's nothing in it. Okay. Can I investigate the machines as someone who yes. is, specializes in machines? Sure. We'll say you, you maybe this is one of your things where like you know something. Oh, so just use one of my quick things. Yeah, we'll use one of your little edges here. I think this is some form of like industrialized Petri dish on one of them. So something used for combining small materials. And and obviously a petri dish would be like the the base of it. Like there's more to this machine, but something used for combining these materials. And there's another machine that it looks like is used for precision cutting. Yeah, that's that those are the two machines. So petri dish, precision cutting. Yeah, tool. some sort of combiner okay. and a precision cutter. Oh, and on the desk there is an open uh, journal. I don't know if I said that. I don't think you did because I'll definitely read that. Well, I think maybe uh, dot while you're examining these machines, uh, Atticus. I'll read the journal. Thank You'll you read the much. journal. Okay. Damn it. Do Damn I discover it. it before it discovers me, though? Yeah. So you see the book before it sees you. Okay. Good. Yeah, the book is a journals of Raymond, specifically talking about one thing that he has been obsessed with recently. Okay. And there are different entries of things he has figured out. And it details his journey from finding this thing into what appears to be the, the present day. And what it is that he's describing is some sort of, he, he, calls it a, he calls it an insect. And he talks about how he found something that looked like a larva. And this, this is one of the first en- entries. He, fa- he found this larva at a cave-in that was responsible for killing a bunch of miners. Maybe one of you is maybe one of you has heard that before. Um, I don't think that was like super hidden. It was kind of like, oh, cool, like a Gavin g- killed some people outside, right? Um, <laughs> like it didn't. It didn't really seem suspicious. He said he went to that site because he thought there might be something suspicious there, and he found a larva-like creature, and he like, brought it back with does him. This before you continue with his journal. It was a sort of slug type thing in that glass container right underneath the church. That is correct. And I saw that. Yes. Okay. Uh, and just does to say, he relay that to me as that happens. Al? Nope, not yet. Okay. And and this is just to say that glass container in the middle of the room, definitely not as big or as formal as those tanks in the church. That hole that you see that has shattered it looks about the same size. And he talks about it in his journals, and he talks about putting this larva in that case. Also, did I see... No, Annie broke the glass after we all left, right? Yes. You had saw when you would come back that the glass was broken. I don't know how much you, like, clocked that. I don't think I would have clocked that. Yeah, okay. 
so yes, you, you, you see that. You see that he has been running uh, experiments on it. And he believes that this larva or this insect might have been somehow responsible for this cave-in of the miners. Um, it's unclear why he believes that. He doesn't really document it well for other people. It kind of feels like s- similar to, to, to Hero's writings. Like It feels like he's just like writing notes to like remind himself. And it's less like, this. these are my findings. This is my scientific exploration. And more like, okay, let me remember that for later. They're kind of scribblings. But he's been running experiments on it. And one of the things he tried to do, or, or I think he was writing that he had plans to do it. He was experimenting with this machine, this cutter. And he was trying to cut off part of the insect uh, to try to do something with it. Uh, it's not not really clear what, but that was one of the experiments he wanted to conduct that he had not yet conducted. And then the then the journals stop. I, yes, I, I relay the information to to Dot. I'm trying okay. to think if Atticus could reasonably formulate a theory here. I think so. I think I, th- I think let's 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 treat our characters as 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 smart as we are at least okay i'm just saying i'm wondering if he has enough information do you as alex have enough information yes it does any of it come from a place where atticus does not know yes because i think it might have to do with annie's uh god mm, experience might have to do with the the god saying hey break this thing out because my theory is that the slug is like a parasite and that okay. it's like infecting new hosts and is getting other of its kind out from freedom. But I think we know um, that like people are being visited by God. So even if we don't know that it was Annie, I think Well, I think he's saying specifically that the shadow thing told Annie to break that thing out of its tank is oh. is probably a crucial bit of information. True. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think maybe Atticus, I think you have most of the pieces and maybe you you it's not unlikely that you could present that information to the rest of the rest of the crew and okay. maybe ask if they know anything because Annie would something because it just seems kind of like a like a parasite um, yeah I mean yeah I, yeah sure yeah no, I, I know where you're, I get where you're coming from yeah I agree I think with that piece of information you could definitely put that together okay. so maybe present that to Annie Annie you have settled down Lorette and and sat her down and tried to calm her before you and Ted together walk into maybe the the rest of the house, start looking around? Sure. You and Ted walk into this main hall, this circular hall, and you look around and you feel unsettled. There's something unsettling about this. Maybe it's the fact that it's not perfect geometry because there are only five statues in this room. Pardon? Atticus and Dot, you hear a bang on the top of the stairs. Like a like a gunshot bang? No, like a stone hitting stone. Okay. And just to clarify the like the walls and the and the stairs themselves are stone, correct? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, and look, looking up the staircase, you see that the closet door has closed. And we didn't tell them we were coming down here. No, but, you didn't! So you don't suppose that's a good thing, right? Great. Um, well, for future reference, if we get out of here, um, let's let people know where we are. Atticus, 
as you are talking to Dot, you see as, you, as you're you're standing ahead of her, looking up the stairs, looking for anything that could have made that noise. And as you talk to her, you look behind you and over her shoulder. And you see something that had not been there before. A marble statue with its hands outstretched, heading straight for Dot's neck. <laughs>